Hello, and welcome into another episode of Bama Expats. I'm Mark Torrance with Bat Dover in New York, and we are uh, talking about something today that we haven't talked about in a little bit, and that's uh, the football team in Alabama. Uh, you know, we uh, the last few months, uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about um, the exciting end to the season for uh, Alabama basketball and some ups and downs um, uh, that that came with. And then, of course, the eventful offseason or start to the offseason that came after that. And, uh, you know, we haven't really had a, uh, much time to check in with the football team who was going through spring practice and just uh, had a day over the weekend. And, you know, we kind of thought that this was a, a good time to check in with the football team. Um, on the uh, basketball front, for those of you who are here uh, for your basketball news, um, we're going to kind of wait. There's, you know, there's still a few more um, things to work out kind of roster-wise, and I think we'll wait until those issues have kind of been settled uh, and, you know, the new coaching staff kind of gets its feet under it before doing kind of a you know, an off, a full off-season recap on the basketball team. Um, so for now, we are going to uh, kind of give our take on where the football team stands right now, kind of assess what stood out to us during spring practice and the 8A game and kind of uh, where that leaves Alabama going into the summer. Um, we're going to come back later in the fall, uh, you know, once kind of the leaves start changing colors and the air starts getting a little cooler. Uh, and really kind of go deep in the weeds on these positions and breakdowns and uh, all kinds of good stuff leading up to uh, what could be another exciting football season here. Um, but for now, we're gonna um, we're gonna go position by position here. I think is the best way to do it um, and just kind of take a look at where each group stands uh, post spring practice. Does that sound good, Matt? Sounds good. Gonna get the rust off of our. Uh football podcasting here <laughs> yeah exactly work out those muscles um so let's start at the quarterback position um and matt this is the first time i think in several years that alabama has come into the off season and the new season with a sure starter in place and you know two years ago um which was Jalen's going into Jalen Hurts' sophomore year, you know, he was kind of assumed to be the starter, um, but there was a lot of hype around Tua, and of course we all know how that season ended. So I'm not really counting that when I say, uh, when I say that, but, you know, there's just really no question. Um, you know, we've all seen the kinds of things Tua can do, the outstanding season he had last year, you know, the outstanding uh, end to his freshman season he had. Um, there's just really, like, no ifs, ands, or buts about this, who is the quarterback. Um, but I think there's still some, you know, some interesting dynamics going on here. Obviously, the, the backup spot is totally wide open. You know, Jalen Hurts obviously uh, gone to Oklahoma. He had a pretty impressive spring game around the same time that A-Day was going on. Um, but, you know, Mac Jones, uh, I think he got the majority of the snaps among the quarterback. He played the most out of any of the quarterbacks, but we also saw a little bit of uh, Tua's younger brother, Talia, and then, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Paul Tyson, um, the great grand or grandson of Bear Bryant who came in. So uh, some big names on the backup quarterback roster there, but 
Um, what's kind of your take on the quarterback position here, Matt, coming out of spring spring ball? Yeah, the big question that Alabama fans have been talking about when it comes to quarterback position, precisely because the starting uh, quarterback uh, question is uh, answered already, is who's going to be the backup? Um, so that got a lot of attention, um, a lot of discussion about it. A lot of people are watching for that during the A-Day game. Um, I think the short answer is that we still don't have a, f- a firm answer, but I, from based off of what we heard, you know, by the way, everything we say coming forward is going to be a combination of, you know, rumors or reports that came out of the spring practices or just what we observed ourselves, you know, watching the A-Day game. Um, so based off of that new information we've collected in the spring, I don't think anything's changed in the sense that, you know, Mac Jones uh, is sort of the incumbent backup just by nature this is his third year in the program he's now going to be a redshirt sophomore uh, the other contenders are, are all freshmen um, so you know I think by default he's the guy there's also the factor uh, of course with the the redshirting rules that you know if it's not clear that uh, uh, Talia or or Paul Tyson are you know uh, clearly the superior options you, know, you want to keep the red shirts on those guys. Although I know there's the new red shirt rule where you actually can play a couple of games and still, you know, keep your red shirt. Um, but I don't think we saw anything that that, that necessarily uh, defined it. I do think that uh, or answered the question definitively. Um, you know, Mac Jones when it came to the A Day game had a slow start uh, through an early interception, looked a little shaky at first, but then really kind of settled in and, and ended up putting up very good numbers. You know, he showed that he's got some great arm talent. Um, uh, you know, but then Talia came in, and I think certainly between him and, and, and Paul Tyson, the other highly regarded freshman, he certainly looked better. But, you know, again, very small sample size here. I think Tyson only attempted four or five passes. Uh, so, you know, you, you don't want to read too much into it. But I would say the early indications are that uh, Talia would be the biggest threat to knock Mac Jones off of that, that backup quarterback spot. Um, but again, you know, uh, there's a very good chance that regardless of how it actually shakes out behind the scenes, that due to redshirting, uh, you could just see Mac Jones by default uh, be the, the first guy that comes in, certainly in garbage time uh, during the season. But, but that really brings me to the biggest question of all, uh, which everybody's been talking about the back of a quarterback. But hopefully, you know, knock on wood, that question won't actually matter at all when it comes to Alabama's success in the 2019 season. Uh, the question that, that will matter a lot is, will we see any drop-off in Tua's productivity uh, now that we have uh, a new offensive coordinator and play caller, Steve Sarkeesian, obviously is replacing Mike Loxley, going with a little bit more of an NFL-style offense, a little bit away from the spread offense that was so potent and dynamic last season. So you wonder about that. What effect will the, the slightly different play calling, different schemes have? Uh, and then secondly, uh, you got to wonder with Dan Enos now gone, who had such a, uh, a great reputation for being a quarterback's coach, with him out of the picture now, you know, could we see any drop-off in Tua's performance, uh, even within the system, you know, accounting for the change in the system? So I think the combination of those two things you know, makes, makes me wonder. I think the biggest important question of all is, will Tua sustain the level he, he had for most of last season, or will we see a little bit of a drop-off due to either – uh, or a combination of uh, the, the quarterback coach being gone, uh, the quarterback whisperer, as people call Dan Enos, uh, and, and the new play caller. Uh, and for me, that's the biggest question. And, and look, ADA performances, especially by quarterbacks, have been, uh, in recent years, I would say have been deceptive more often than they've been enlightening. 
Um, you can think back to the the uh, uh, the Blake Sims a day where Alabama fans were freaking out. You know, he looked well, he did. He looked horrible, and then ended up shattering you know every Alabama quarterback record and having a fantastic year. There were other cases like that, uh, the, but. Truth be told, it could be a combination. It could be an injury. Some, some of the announcers on TV were speculating that that could have been some of some of it. But, but Tua didn't honestly look that sharp. Now, yeah, he was going against the Alabama defense, which is going to be better than most defenses Alabama faces, and you could go on and on here. Uh, but nevertheless, like he wasn't particularly sharp. Um, take that for what it's worth. May not be worth very much. Again, I just said a lot of A-Day performance is very uh, deceptive. But to me, again, the number one question isn't who's the backup quarterback. It's how will the starting quarterback be able to, how well will he be able to sustain his success and his efficiency uh, with his quarterback coach gone and with a new play caller? Um, to me, those are the big questions. That's the, the number one biggest question uh, heading into the offseason, and, and we'll just have to wait and see more uh, in the fall. Yeah, and another new offensive coordinator for Tua as well. Yeah. Um, hasn't had a lot of uh, consistency there, you know. Uh, I know Alabama fans are going to be keeping a close eye on, on Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Aaron Suttles had a great piece on uh, Sarkeesian's offense um, up at The Athletic that I'd recommend uh, checking out. Um, definitely be keeping an eye on that. Uh, behind Tua, uh, behind him directionally speaking in the backfield, um, you know, this was kind of a, a, a quote-unquote three-headed monster um, last year with Damian Harris and, and Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris more or less splitting duties uh, almost evenly back there. Um, this year, you know, kind of like the quarterback position, I think this is the first year, uh, maybe not in quite as long, where there's a true number one heading into the season who I think is going to end up getting, you know, a solid majority of the carries this year. And that's, of course, Najee Harris. Uh, he's going to be a junior this year. He was a really highly touted guy coming in um, and just found himself on a depth chart with a lot of talent, um, which, you know, uh, he, he did get in games and and certainly showed why he was so highly touted, but I think he's going to get a chance to be a real feature star back um, that Alabama really hasn't had since, I would say, you know, the 2014-15 seasons when Derrick Henry was really the workhorse. 2015 especially when they weren't throwing the ball as much and just, you know, really leaning on Henry. I don't think they're going to be going to Najee Harris, you know, <laughs> 20, 30, 40 times a game. Uh, like Henry was that year, but um, he's clearly uh, the bell cow. And then Brian Robinson, you know, from Tuscaloosa, he's got some experience um, as well. I don't know if he's going to reach that kind of 1A, 1B level. Um, and then Jerome Ford comes in uh, really highly touted as well. Uh, and then Chadarius Townsend will round out the rotation back there. Uh, but clearly this is, this is going to be Najee Harris's group this year. Yeah, I, I, I think he's clearly the, uh, the default number one option. Um, but, you know, especially in recent years, other than you, you mentioned the Derrick Henry year, I, I do think it's still going to be a three-headed monster. Uh, I think Brian Robinson's going to get his share of carries as uh, especially the like power back. Uh, Najee Harris has potential to be the lead back. I, I think the one thing that uh, – uh, sort of held Najee Harris back from, uh, you know, from sort of getting out in front of, of guys last year like like Damian Harris or uh, or Josh Jacobs is, you know, as good as he is, he's got great size, you know, good feet. 
uh, but still doesn't quite have the, uh, uh, I don't want to say explosiveness, but the, uh, you know, you sort of, you sort of need that, that sort of dynamic, uh, back. And I don't, and I don't know that Alabama necessarily, now he may, maybe he proves this, but I, I don't know that Alabama has that in Robinson or Najee Harris. I think there's an opening here for someone else, a third back, uh, not necessarily the third in the order, or that could be the third in the order, um, but but someone who can can kind of you know play that 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 more dynamic role, um, and so that's one of the big questions for me. We knew Najee Harris was going to be probably the starter. Uh, we knew that that Brian Robinson was going to play a significant role this year. You know, he's always been one of those guys on the roster so far who you know people love in practice, looks great when he comes in uh, in garbage time. Uh, but Alabama is really, I think, looking for uh, for one more back, and and I don't know that uh, that we have one on campus so far. You know, Jerome Ford was really the only other uh, running back scholarship uh, running back, and uh, didn't really hear much about him you know, either in terms of, of you know rumors coming out of practice uh, or or certainly anything that we saw in the uh, in the eight a game that would suggest that that he's going to be that guy. So I think. Uh, this will be some. This will be a question to revisit in the fall when the uh, when the other uh, freshman signees get on campus. Um, in particular, Trey Sanders was a big name. Uh, Alabama signed. It has the potential, perhaps, to be that third running back who can get in there and provide the more uh, the more dynamic uh, you know option that that will sort of play a good complement to, to Najee Harris and Brian Robinson, both of whom are going to play uh, play big roles. So I think that's to me the question is. Uh, um, again, obviously, how well do Najee Harris and Brian Robinson sort of step up in their roles, uh, but also who, who that third back is going to be? Because I do think there's going to be significant playing time for one more back, and I think it's probably going to come from one of the freshmen that we haven't seen on campus yet. Well, a position that I don't think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty around uh, is out at wide receiver where – you know, Alabama had, a, had an embarrassment of riches last year, and uh, essentially all of them are coming back for another season and uh, another year of experience under their belt. And, um, you know, it, it, if it wasn't enough to have Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell, who all are, are potential, you know, number one receivers on most teams in the country— uh, John Mechie goes out and wins the uh, the eight A MVP award. So it's just it's just like it's truly an embarrassment of riches at that position. Um, and you know, Tua, not that he had any last year, but he will definitely not have a, a shortage of options this year back there. Yeah, that that to me was the question going into uh, to the offseason at the wide receiver position. It's really just can anybody else crack the rotation? Uh, you already mentioned Alabama had a four-headed monster, unlike um, certainly anything Alabama's ever had. I don't think Alabama's had four receivers that good ever playing at the same time. I'm not sure how many other teams in college football ever have had that many receivers that good playing at the same time. I mean, all, all of these guys you mentioned could be certainly could be number one receivers on good college teams. Uh, all four of them are going to have great chances to be drafted very highly in the NFL draft. Um, and, you know, look, most NFL teams play with a, a primary receiver rotation of three to four guys. Um, Alabama mostly went with those four guys last year. So the question was, well, just can anybody else crack that rotation? We know those four guys are going to be there. We know what they can do. Um, there really was nothing for them to prove uh, anymore. 
to me, the question was, could just, can anybody else crack the rotation? And then uh, right on cue, you have a uh, true freshman, uh, uh, Mitchie, who, who comes in and, and, and like you said, like gets literally gets a day MVP honors, looked, looked fantastic, looked like yet, yet another in Alabama's long line of, of just elite dynamic wide receiver. Uh, wide receivers and so I, you know, I think with John Mitchie stepping up like that uh, he's got to be in the mix potentially for the third or excuse me the the, the fifth guy <laughs> maybe I think maybe you could stretch the rotation out to five guys it's pretty hard to to stretch it out more than that and I'm not even saying that that will happen but if there is a fifth guy who can get in that rotation or you know of course if there are injuries that, that certainly opens the door uh, but John Mitchie clearly looks like he's going to be a factor um, and aside from him you got to look at uh, Tyrell Shavers also had a big spring, um, but according to several reports, uh, you know he's he's now third year in the program. Um, and he sort of took a little while to develop. He's on the, he's one of be the, one of the biggest receiver options Alabama could have, so he could have a role you know, potentially in the red zone, something like that. But he's probably the other one I'd like to watch out for, um, you know. But I, Alabama's deep here. I mean, you know, some guys that probably won't crack the rotation just because of how deep it is, but who could have very bright futures. Uh, Slade Bolden, a redshirt freshman who's getting some good reviews. Xavier Williams had a pretty good a spring, good A-day. I mean, if Alabama had to, you know, roll out a receiver, if, if none of those four, from the, from what they call the four-headed monster, was on Alabama's team, and Alabama had to roll with the next, the next guys, like Tyrell Shavers, John Mechie, Slade Bolden, Xavier Williams, that could be a top 10 or 15 wide receiver unit in the country. But, you know, Alabama's second four. So, again, an embarrassment of riches here. If there's one position on the team that Alabama fans don't need to worry about, um, I'd say it's probably the wide receiver position. And a little more uncertainty, though, um, in, at the other pass-catching role. Um, you know, Alabama lost a good one in Irv Smith, who's, uh, who's probably going to make himself some decent money here in a couple days. But, um, you know, Miller Forrestal kind of returns as the default number one. Uh, and then Cameron Latou, who uh, moved over from linebackers and basically worked at tight end all spring. Uh, he's kind of the second option. I think this is, um, you know, this is going to be an unproven group. And, um, you know, one of the question marks, I wouldn't say like areas for concern, but just, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty around the tight end position, especially in terms of experience um, and what they can do in the passing game. But as we just uh, described, you know, Alabama may not need to lean on its tight ends as much um, in the passing game this year just because there's so many options at receiver. But, um, yeah, tight end, I would say, uh, I would say is definitely a question mark going into the summer and into next season. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was wide open, like you said, uh, you know, and I think Alabama's offense, especially the more pro-style offense, you're going to have at least two guys at this position that end up getting a lot of playing time and play a significant role. There's just really no way around that. And, and sure enough, in the A-Day game, the Alabama quarterbacks, um, especially Tua, you know, attempted a lot of passes to the to the tight ends. Um, uh, like you said, uh, just sort of by default, uh, the the guy that would be first in line to have a shot at the job uh, at the starting position would be Miller Forrestal. You know, he was playing a big role as a, at the end of the season as a true freshman uh, back in uh, in the 2016 season. Uh, then he uh, missed all of 2017 with an injury. Uh, a lot of folks thought he would come back last year and sort of maybe even be the starter. Um, people forget that how how Irv Smith sort of 
sort of vaulted out of nowhere. He, Irv Smith and, and Miller Forrest are actually the same recruiting class, and Miller Forrest all got on the field first. And in their true freshman season, 2016, it was Forrestall, not Irv Smith, who's getting uh, the playing time uh, off the bench. Uh, but then again, the, the injury happened, and by the time Forrestall came back, Irv Smith had established himself, and so Forrestall didn't really uh, – he was sort of the third you know, tight end last season when Alabama was mostly just using two. Um, so, again, he, now that now he's back here, fourth year in the program, he's going to have a chance to be uh, uh, the guy. And so far, it looks like no one's overtaken him. Uh, the interesting name you just mentioned, Cameron Latou, who, who moved over from the defensive side. Uh, you know, he looked pretty good catching them. You just saw a couple of glimpses of him in the A-Day game. But, I mean, the fact that he was even playing with the first-team offense alone tells you volumes because that means that the coaches, having watched them in practice, you know, put at him at least for now ahead of the other guys. And he looked pretty good catching the ball. It looked pretty natural. Uh, had one, I remember, early in the first quarter, a tough, uh, a tough pass. Pass didn't stand out because it was only for like five yards, but you know it came in with some heat and uh, he handled it pretty cleanly. Um, so, you know he could be a dynamic option. Maybe a lot of upside there since he's so new at the position. Uh, but Alabama's got options: Kedrick James, Major Tennyson, Michael Parker. These are guys that were in the program last year, um, have been developing. Uh, there, there's some depth here. Uh, I, I don't know that unless unless Cameron Latou just sort of surprises everybody, uh, you know, with what he can do. Um, uh, switching positions. Um, yeah, I don't know that Alabama is going to have uh, as high a ceiling as they had last year with Irv Smith, who's probably going to be an NFL, you know, first, second round type pick. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's got enough options here. I don't think it's going to be a weakness, but it's probably not going to be a strength this year. So I think the big question as we head into the summer is going to be, um, you know, can, can Forrestall and Latou sort of lock it, lock it down? And is those going to be the two guys? Or, uh, you know, can anybody else step up? Can Kedrick James, who sort of made some noise in practice from time to time, can he step up? Um, you know, another freshman, Jahil, uh, Jahil Billingsley uh, has come in. Um, Michael Parker, Major Tennis, and we already mentioned. So th there's some other options there. Can anybody else knock those two off is, I think, the big question heading into the summer. Uh, we're also going to see some uh, new faces up front on the offensive line. Um, Alabama uh, replacing a few starters um, – from that group, uh, you know, Alex Leatherwood, Mac Wo Matt Womack, and Jedrick Willis uh, return as kind of the experienced guys up there. And then, you know, it, at least in the spring, it looked like Emil Ekayor and Chris Owens um, are were kind of the guys who were at least coming out of spring practice and coming out of A-Day were going to be uh, the other two starters there at guard and center. But I think this is, uh, you know, this is a an area that's that's – uh, a little more open to yeah. uh, some competition in the fall, um, especially as some of these newcomers um, get their feet under themselves, get experienced. You know, Evan Neal was one of the big pickups uh, in this class coming out of Florida. You know, a five-star who was a top ten player um, overall in a lot of the a lot of the recruiting numbers. So I think this is another group where there's going to be room for. Uh, you know, room for some younger guys to step up and, and take over. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of the positions where there's going to be uh, going to be some opportunity and and uh, a place to watch uh, come fall camp. Yep, uh, that's right. You look at guys who are definitely going to start. Uh, I think Jedrick Wills is probably the top returning player. 
Alex Leatherwood, you've got to think, is going to start somewhere, probably at the other tackle spot, but potentially you could move inside if you needed to. Um, aside from that, though, there's not a lot of certainty. You already mentioned Matt Womack is the most experienced. Uh, you know, He started for a time um, back in the 2017 season, sort of got pushed out of the starting lineup uh, by Leatherwood and Wills last season, um, was also had an injury he was dealing with for much of last season. Uh, but you know he'll have a, he'll certainly have a shot to play a role, maybe in a starting role on the team uh, this year. Uh, let's also not forget. Speaking of, there's a fourth uh, experienced player here right. that that will not be available for the first third of the season, and that is Deontay Brown. You know, a guy who came in last season, uh, sort of knocked off uh, now departed senior Lester Cotton out of the starting lineup there for a time. Uh, but then you know he was suspended for what uh, reportedly was a failed drug test. You know, he missed the playoffs uh, last season and now um, will be suspended for uh, what I believe is four games, the first four games of this season. So um, he'll be out for a while, but you've got to think as well as he played last year that, you know, come October, uh, assuming he gets right with the coaching staff and the NCAA and whoever else he's got to get right with, um, you know, and he's kept up during, during his suspension, you know, his training and all that. Uh, you got to think he comes back in and probably starts at one of the guard spots. Again, you got to think Leatherwood Wills probably start at the tackle spot, and then again, there's sort of a a, a big competition there. You've got Matt Wilmack, the the, the experienced guy. Um, you've got Ekior, uh, who you mentioned there. Chris Owens, you mentioned Scott Lashley, Evan Neal, uh, the true freshman Evan Neal. Lashley, Ekior, Owens are guys who've been in the program a couple of years, but still underclassmen. So, among those young guys, probably one or one to two of those four guys, you know, are able to fight their way into the lineup. Um, but I think that's going to be the big question. Um, other, other than Will, Jared Jedrick Will starting at tackle, I'm not sure anything else is completely settled at the offensive line. Even even guys like Alex Leatherwood um, and, and to the to extent Deontay Brown um, are probably going to start somewhere. But even then, I don't you know it's not sure where they're going to start uh, exactly which of the five positions. So a lot to, a lot of moving pieces. But like always with Alabama's offensive line, there's so many guys here to choose from that. You know, I think Alabama on scholarship has something like 16 or 17 guys on scholarship here, uh, all of whom, you know, most of whom are four or five stars. Are you know, so they're going to have a lot of options to pick from. And whoever emerges as the top five, you know, this 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 unit will not be a weakness for sure. Uh, the question is just, I guess, how much of a strength, and that'll depend on which guys go where. And, and I think we're going to know a lot more about that when we get into August. Another position, uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, and uh, right across from these offensive linemen in practice. Uh, another position where Alabama has just kind of stockpiled an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, despite a lot of talent uh, leaving this offseason, uh, one of whom, Quinnen Williams, may end up being, you know, has an outside chance at being the number one pick, you know, could be top three, top five pick. But coming back this year, um, Alabama has a ton of talent. I mean, uh, up front, Raquan Davis and LeBron Ray, two guys who have, you know, kind of proven themselves uh, at the position. Davis especially, obviously, and uh, Ray was uh, a heavy part of that rotation up front. Uh, and then I think one of the biggest surprises of the spring, um, just overall, was the play of DJ Dale, who has kind of assumed that uh, nose tackle position, uh, you know, as a as a freshman, as an early enrollee. Um, he came in, um, you know, played really well in some of the scrimmages, uh, according to some reports, and then um, 
you know, ended up with the first team at A-Day. Um, so, you know, those three guys, those are, that's a lot of talent. Oh, that's a lot of just mass period uh, up front. And then, uh, you know, some, some a little more unproven behind them, but also kind of like you were saying with the offensive line, just a lot of four and five star guys who are kind of waiting their chance. One guy a lot of people are excited to see, uh, Antonio Alfano, the gym of this class, mm-hmm. who uh, actually grew up just a few hours from us here uh, over in New Jersey. But, you know, you got to think he's going to get some playing time. He had, I think it was two sacks during A-Day, quote-unquote sacks. Right. You, know, you just got to run up and touch the quarterback um, during the spring game. But um, this is a group I think has a, has a lot of potential. Um, proven talent up front, but room for some young guys to uh, – to come in underneath them, you know, in that in that six seven man rotation that Alabama likes to play there. Yeah, you know, it's I, I do think it's it is similar to the offensive line in the sense that you know there was uh, there was a couple of guys who you knew were going to be a big part of the rotation just based off of, of their experience. The biggest name, of course, being Raekwon Davis. Uh, you know, who's now a, a rising senior. He's going to be the, the leader on the defensive line, clearly. Uh, but, you know, aside from him, I think people knew that uh, LeBrian Ray and Fedarian Mathis, two guys who have been in the rotation sort of as, as primary backups the last couple of years, LeBrian Ray in particular, you know, closed really strong coming off the bench uh, last season. I think people knew they were going to be heavily involved and that, that Ray would probably slide up to a starting spot. And that all seems to be the case. Um, but there's been several pleasant surprises on the defensive line. Um, and I think that's one of the big takeaways from the spring um, was that there are multiple guys, young guys in the defensive line that have, have pleasantly surprised. We already mentioned, Mark, that you know, there's lots of four- and five-star guys, so you know there's always going to be you know, pretty high expectations for these young guys coming in. But I think, again, I, I emphasize the surpri- even surprisingly uh, uh, good performances from a couple of people. But the biggest name here is DJ Dale. Uh, he was not one of the most recruited guys in Alabama's recruiting class, or the most highly rated. Now, certainly, just about everybody Alabama signed was was pretty highly rated, right? Again, all all four and five stars, but relative to the other four and five stars, you know, he didn't really stand out in terms of the recruiting ratings. Uh, but he's just absolutely, from all reports, other players, you know, quotes they've given to the media, um, just again, rumors and everything else has come out of practice. All indications have been that he's just blown people away. Um, with his performance during spring practice. So you know, to the point now where some, a lot of people are projecting he'll actually be a starter as a true freshman uh, on the defensive line in the middle. Um, that's DJ Dale. People are already comparing him to, to Deron Payne. They said he's just another Deron Payne. And Not Deron, just people. His uh, yeah. his line mate there up front, Raekwon yeah, Davis. Yeah, that's true. Raekwon Davis said he's – and that's, that's pretty heavy praise because, you know, uh, Deron Payne was a guy who started as a true freshman and ended up, you know, having a great career at Alabama and, and uh, now in the NFL. So – that's a big. That's a big one. But then, aside from that, Christian Barmore, uh, another young defensive lineman, um, he actually redshirted last season, so uh, he'll be a redshirt freshman this season. And he's he had a, a quietly, by by many accounts, had a very solid spring practice and probably earned himself a spot at least in the rotation. Maybe not as a starter, but at least in the rotation. Um, you already mentioned Antonio Alfano, a guy who's coming in with uh, uh, who was one of the highest rated. I, said, I mentioned the DJ Dale was relative to the other four and five stars in Alabama's class was sort of, you know, didn't stand out. But Alfano is a guy that did stand out. I think he was ranked like the number one or two recruit overall in the country, number one in his position, uh, like a top five, top ten guy nationally. At top all player in the class. Yeah. So 
so, you know, and again, I don't think he did anything to disappoint. Uh, he was probably going to be in the rotation as well. So Alabama's going to have, right, I mean, right there, just those names we've gone over already. You've got a mix of experienced guys in Raekwon Davis, LeBron Ray, Fedarian Mathis. Uh, now these young guys, DJ Dale, Christian Barmore, um, Antonio Alfano, just, just to name three that, that whose names that out. And then you've got a bunch of other guys here who are pretty highly rated as recruits we didn't even mention now. Um, again, Mark already said this. We could, we could go name by name, but we're not – we're just kind of trying to give everybody a summary right now from what we've some takeaways from the spring. When we get to the, uh, you know, late summer, late July, August, sometime around in there, we'll, we'll try to come back and give you all a much more detailed kind of player by player uh, rundown at that time. But for now, I think that's the big takeaway at, at, at defensive line was just the, the number of young players who pleasantly surprised people with, with their play in spring. And I think that's giving people a lot more confidence in the defensive line's ability moving into the, to the fall. One position that I'm excited to watch next year, maybe the most excited to watch next year, just in terms of of development and kind of uh, realizing their potential, is at outside linebacker, where it seems like the last couple of years Alabama's just had the worst luck with uh, injuries um, and some other things. You know, just keeping guys off the field and and uh, and kind of limiting the group. You know, Alabama lost Christian Miller from this group, um, but you know, Anthony Jennings is back. And then Terrell Lewis, who, you know, myself, and I know I'm not the only Alabama fan who's ready to see a full season of Terrell Lewis. You know, he's kind of one of these guys that you hear a lot of stories uh, about coming out of fall camp, a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of rumors and whispers about what kind of player he can be. And, uh, you know, two years ago he was hurt in that opener against Florida State. Uh, and then last year didn't even make it um, onto the field. Had just been dealing with some injuries. But, you know, he's, uh, it seems like he's back and healthy. Um, and then behind him, uh, Chris Allen, another guy who was really supposed to, uh, who was expected to kind of have a breakout season last year coming off the edge, um, also went down with an injury before the season um, and so didn't get to play at all last year. And then uh, a, a fourth guy who Alabama fans are really excited about, Iyabi Anoma. Um, who was a freshman last year, kind of saw some time on special teams, but uh, got some time with the outside linebackers, um, got some playing time at A-Day. You know, I think those four kind of make up the core of this outside linebacker group, and, you know, certainly a lot of talent and a decent amount of experience, uh, at least in terms of just being around the program and the defense and the coaching staff, um, but maybe not necessarily in playing time. You know, I, I really hope, obviously for the players' sake, but, you know, just for the team's sake, that these guys can all be healthy. I mean, this has the potential to be a really a really dangerous group. Alabama hasn't really had, like, a lethal, you know, edge-rushing group uh, in a while. You know, there's been some stars kind of here and there, but this really has the potential to be a deep, uh, talented group that can, that can cause a lot of headaches for quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned the four big names. Um, I don't think there's – a lot to add to that. I think it's pretty much that it's that simple, right? You've got Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis, two seniors, um, you know, who for different reasons uh, are sort of looking uh, for a chance to really stand out and shine, um, but who have immense, ta- immense talent and promise. Uh, Jennings is actually a guy that really both of those guys at, at different points in the last, you know, 18 months were threats to go pro early. And then, you know, a combination of injuries or you know, some people were even surprised that Jennings came back. Um, but either way, both of those guys are available now, assuming they're healthy. Uh, and, you know, you can't ask for much more than, than those two as, as your senior leaders. And then 
you just mentioned the two names from the underclassmen who everybody's excited about. Uh, Anoma, uh, the one, a lot of people thought he'd be a breakout player last year as a true freshman. And he was, I think, one of the highest rated recruits from the, uh, you know, the 2018 class um, who ended up, you know, playing in spots here and there, but didn't quite have the impact as a true freshman, some are hoping. But, you know, the talent is still there. And if it clicks for him and there were some there were some flashes of it, I think he's he's getting there. Uh, in the spring, um, you know, that, that he could be a, a really nice uh, third down option, if nothing else, uh, and maybe have a chance, especially if either Lewis or Jennings get hurt again, you know, slide up even further than that. And then Christopher Allen's the other underclassman you mentioned, who uh, is a guy to keep, a, uh, to keep an eye on and, uh, you know, uh, miss, miss the season with injury. And, you know, he, he's going to play a factor. And I think the four of those guys, through some combination or another, are going to be the guys. So I don't think there's necessarily a lot of questions about who the – who the key players are going to be. I think the just the question is um, really how much can – well, how healthy can, is Terrell Lewis one? And we still don't know the answer to that. He was limited in spring practice. He participated some, but then also set out some. Uh, so that, that's a question. Uh, but then aside from that, uh, assuming he's healthy, uh, or I guess especially if he's not healthy, really uh, how much can Anoma and Allen step up and sort of force their way into either certain situations or just becoming every down players – perhaps eventually. And, and that's, again, a, a question that's going to sort of linger into the fall. Yeah, and I think the, the best Alabama defenses, um, especially at kind of getting after the passer and, and stopping the run, Nick Saban really likes to, to go deep in the, in the rotation. He almost, he almost does like, a, like hockey line changes, like four guys will go off and four new guys will come back on at kind of you know interior defensive line and then these edge rushers. Um, but but this this group uh, at both positions I think has a chance to to be not just really talented but um, there's a lot of depth at those positions to uh, to be excited about um, and then moving inside um, you know there was uh, there's some uh, you know Dylan Moses returns he's kind of the experienced uh, uh, guy probably going to be that you know alpha signal caller that uh, that Nick Saban likes to use. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of a question of who will play next to him. Um, Joshua McMillan certainly uh, looked like the guy who, at least in the spring and through A-Day, was getting some reps. But uh, Shane Lee was another guy who I think had an impressive spring and was getting some uh, accolades. Uh, he had a, a few impressive plays at A-Day. Um, you know, this is a group that I think there's, you know, <laughs> as with basically every every uh, position on this Alabama team. There's a ton of talent, but uh, I think especially for that number two role at inside linebacker, just kind of some question of who's going to uh, kind of emerge from spring as the guy and, and who can kind of lock that down, having to be, you know, that the, the, the two positions really that have to know the defense inside and out. You know, there's, like a, there's a talent aspect here, but there's also kind of a, a heady aspect that you want uh, out of an inside linebacker. So... You know, I, I think that's this is one of the few positions that where um, there's going to be some question marks, and it's going to be really important to see who emerges here. Yep, uh, that's it. I think it's Dylan Moses. Everybody knows he's the only returning starter in this group. Uh, he's going to be the guy, like you said, Mark. Um, and he still has some room to improve, though. I don't think he's fully tapped out his potential. His potential is really unlimited in terms of his uh, you know, physical gifts, uh, but. So there's one question is just how, you know, how much can he grow and blossom as a third-year player? You know, we saw several guys, Reuben Foster, uh, probably more than anyone, made a huge leap from uh, year two to year three. 
uh, playing that same position. Um, to a lesser extent, Reggie Ragland, uh, you know, also really made a big jump from year two to year three. So, you know, can he make that kind of jump? Because there's a whole, there's another level or two that Dylan Moses could hit that he hasn't hit yet. And so I think that that's going to be a big thing to look out for uh, from him. Uh, but he's sort of the one sure thing. And then, Mark, you mentioned it. Uh, honestly, there, there's really five other guys who, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if, if any one of them ended up you know, being listed as a starter by the time you get to the middle or end of next season. Um, I think right now, sort of the guy who at least temporarily is, is sort of occupying that spot seems to be Josh McMillan, the fifth-year senior who really, other than a little bit of special teams, hasn't had any role whatsoever on the team to this point. Now, he's always been a fine player, just buried behind other guys in the roster, so that's not necessarily a knock, but it is a little bit unusual. You know, Alabama tends to have, you know, a guy emerge by, let's say, a second year or so in the program and at least start to get intermittent playing time inside linebacker, and then, you know, by by year three is, is sort of in the starting lineup. So it's a little bit unusual for a fifth-year senior who has played no role to kind of come in, but that's where we are with, with Josh McMillan. I think at this point, is he's sort of there until somebody knocks him off. Now, who are the people that could knock him off? Uh, going into the spring, people's uh, sort of favorite was Ollie Keho, who was a true freshman last season, a huge big-time recruit who uh, sort of a weird situation uh, committed to, or I think actually signed with Washington, uh, and then was, for some reason or another, I still don't even know the backstory, was let out of his letter of intent and, is, and essentially allowed to enroll at Alabama without having to sit out a year. Uh, sort of a, a weird situation there. But anyways, he came to campus, looked fantastic on, on special teams, um, and probably in terms of just physical talent, is probably right up there with D- Dylan Moses, only a little bit younger. Um, but apparently, you know, this spring there were some issues, some off-the-field issues. It's, it's uh, kind of unclear what those are exactly, but he missed some time this spring. And so uh, it's kind of unclear exactly where he stands, but he's a guy to watch out for just because from a pure raw talent standpoint, he's probably the, guy, the, the next guy up after Dylan Moses. Uh, but for now, uh, you know, he, he's just kind of in the mix. Then you've got true freshman Shane Lee, who enrolled early. He was a highly uh, regarded recruit who looked really good in the 8A game, playing with the second team defense. Uh, and then a couple of underclassmen, Markel Benton, Jalen Moody, uh, you know, who had pretty good springs too. So any of those guys could, could play a role or even become the starter. But uh, for now, I think it's up in the air with sort of when, when in doubt, go with the, the fifth-year senior guy, and that's sort of what seems to be the case now. But I, I certainly wouldn't consider this to be over. I think this, this competition is going to go into the fall, and it'll be a big question. Not just who starts beside Moses, but usually there's a third guy there that plays you know, rotationally, uh, and it's also a position where Alabama's had some injuries in the past. So I think Alabama's going to need at least two other guys besides Moses who step up, and you know, the coaching staff feels good about putting on the field. And then outside at the cornerback position, uh, Alabama lost Savian Smith, who uh, declared for the draft early, um, but kind of returns three guys who had a lot of playing time. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, who's kind of the experienced leader of the group, and then uh, Patrick Sertain, who uh, who played a lot as a true freshman last year, and Shaheim Carter are kind of going to be the, you know, your starters at those, uh, you know, corner and, and nickelback uh, spots, but behind them, there's some there's uh, some more talent that I think people are excited about. Um, Josh Joby and Jalen Armour Davis were also uh, true freshmen last year with Sertain, who came in kind of uh, highly rated, and then uh, Nigel Knott, who will be a junior this year. You know, he's the guy who's been around the program. Um, you know, this could be a chance for him to take the next step. Uh, but I think you know 
the takeaway for me at, at this position, obviously Diggs is just the leader, but in Sertan and Carter, you know, you've got two guys who played well at times last year, you know, certainly took their lumps as well as young guys who were kind of learning the offense. But uh, this is a group that I think you can feel, you know, pretty confident about um, going into the season. And then there's some, you know, young, if if mostly unproven talent behind them should uh, should uh, some injuries uh, strike like we saw last year. Yeah, I think that's right. I think assuming that Trayvon Diggs fully recovers from his injury, which is never something to take for granted, but assuming he does, uh, yeah, I think between you get you get three experienced guys who have proven that they can play at a pretty high level already. You mentioned these three guys are Trayvon Diggs, of course, will be a senior. Patrick Sertan, who you know played at a really high, maybe arguably Alabama's best corner as a true freshman last season, just in terms of pure cover skills. He's going to be a really good one, um, kind of in that line of uh, you know Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, guys who sort of just sort of had it from day one. Um, he, he's in that category, and then Shyam Carter, who's sort of been the nickel dime back the last couple of years and played that role well, uh, is in in the mix here too. So I, I think with those three guys already, you've got to feel pretty good. Uh, but then on top of that, you already mentioned Josh Job, a guy who's uh, you know, sort of emerged as kind of the next guy or the first guy up in the next tier. Uh, and, and then you, you already mentioned Nigel Scott, uh, Nigel Knott, uh, J1 Armour Davis provided some depth here. Uh, and this, then there's some, uh, some freshmen coming in, Scooby Carter, Marcus Banks, Brandon Turnage. There's, there's any of those guys could step up. So I, I think Alabama is all in all feels pretty good about this position. Um, probably even an upgrade from last year. Remember, uh, Savion Smith actually was not a starter on last year's team. Only became a starter after Trayvon Diggs became injured, uh, and now Patrick Sertan goes from being a true freshman to now being an experienced sophomore. So, you know, Sertan just getting upgraded by nature of just being more experienced. Then you've got Trayvon Diggs coming back to replace Savion Smith. Shyam Carter is only one year more experienced, playing that same nickelback role probably. So, I think here you're looking at this. If everybody stays healthy, this unit probably being upgraded. Uh, versus where it was last year and, and there's lots of depth too and any and if anybody emerges to knock off those three it's only a good sign because that just means that someone uh is really darn good if they if they can get into that rotation beyond uh, beyond those three guys and then kind of rounding out the defense here at safety where i think there's uh there's certainly more so than at cornerback there's uh there's some questions back here you know xavier mckinney is going to be the leader of the group uh he got a lot of playing time last year, you know, kind of asserted himself uh, as a starter back there. Uh, but then the loss of Deontay Thompson, you know, opens up uh, opens up a spot for one, uh, maybe two. You know, Nick Saban kind of likes to mix and match DBs back there based on how they play. But uh, Jared Maiden, uh, who we saw a little bit of last year, um, kind of solidified his, his spot as the second safety back there with McKinney. And then... Uh, Daniel Wright and Eddie Smith um, were kind of the the second team duo for for most of the spring as well. Um, Smith had a nice interception uh, in the A day game, but you know this is a position where I think Alabama would even by Alabama standards would like to have a little more um, established depth. Um, you know I think it's just going to be a matter of experience. Um, you know I think all four of these guys will probably get some playing time at some point depending on how the rotation shakes out and certainly um certainly uh, at the end at the tail end of some games this yeah. year they'll get in but i think this is a position to watch and just especially to hope that some you know depth and experience really emerges there because you know 
I think this position group more so than any of the others we've talked about is a is an injury or two away from uh, from some real danger or at least some you know needing some unproven talent to step up and emerge quickly. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with all that. I think that that here kind of going into the spring and it, and this is one of those areas where I don't think anything particularly surprising came up to knock this sort of conventional wisdom off. Uh, I think there's a clear pecking order, sort of one through four. There's four returning players. Mark, you already mentioned who those are. But, you know, again, just, just based off of their roles on last year's team, I think there's a clear pecking order. And, again, I haven't seen anything to, to change that. Uh, the top of the pecking order would be Xavier McKinney. He was a starter last season, um, sort of the, the number two starter behind Deontay Thompson, but now just sort of the top remaining player. Then you've got Jared Maiden, um, who's a guy who was – sort of the dime back on last year's team. So played played a role. You know, now he, in theory, would be elevated up to maybe the full-time starting role. Uh, then there's Daniel Wright, who's been in the program a few years, been a pretty good special teams player, but hasn't really got a chance to crack into the rotation, but has sort of been seen as, again, one of the top guys who wasn't in the rotation last year. So now he's arguably in the mix to be sort of the third safety coming in, maybe in dime situations. And then you've got Eddie Smith, who's a true freshman last year, and he's looked pretty good. Uh, in spring practice, potentially the, the fourth guy. Now, that doesn't mean that's going to be the order in the fall. Just being that just based off of prior experience, that's the clear order. Um, and, you know, uh, all those guys, McKinney, Maiden, Wright, those are guys are all upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. Uh, Eddie Smith's a sophomore now. You've got a couple of freshmen who come in as well. But, um, yeah, again, I think, I think it's the four of those guys, and we'll just see if anything happens to change that order up. But either way, Alabama certainly has experience here. I don't know that Alabama has a guy, though, that – you know, in the in the sort of Ronnie Harrison uh, or uh, or Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, lane of just clearly like this guy's going to be a you know early entry NFL guy. I don't think Alabama has a guy like that. But between McKinney, Maiden, and Wright, um, you've got some experienced guys who have definitely proven to be able to play a pretty high level of college. So I, I think that um, you know it may not be a standout unit, but it's a unit where there's some experience and. Um, but, but maybe a little bit thinner, that's your point, Mark, than, than you'd like. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll see how things shake out in the, in the fall, just to, if anything can, can uh, sort of disrupt that, that rotation. All right, and let's wrap this up with uh, Alabama fans' favorite position to talk about, yeah. uh, and that's at special teams. Um, you know, I don't think the 8A game put anyone's mind at ease, uh, at least at the kicker position where – it seems like it's been forever since Alabama had a had a reliable option back there. Uh, Joseph Bulavas, the returning starter, you could call him, uh, I believe, was w- only hit one out of his three um, attempts. But uh, the true freshman coming in, who I think people were at least mildly curious to see what he could do, Will Reichard, uh, hit his only attempt um, on the day. Uh, Reichard is a is a freshman coming in from Hoover, actually an early enrollee kicker, uh, which I guess you don't see a lot of, um, but he hit his one attempt at 8A. So, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like I'm an expert kicking scout and an expert at kicking recruits, but, um, you know, I I think um, Alabama fans should certainly at least be intrigued by what Reichard could do. I mean, you know, Bullivis was, you know, Nobody, nobody's gonna expect him to be like the sure thing, reliable kicker. But he also, I don't think, was as bad. We talked about this a few times, you know. Not, not certainly not as bad as some of the the memes about Alabama kicking 
uh, like to make him out to be. But, you know, at, at least it looks like Alabama has a promising option back there. Yeah. No, I think I think the kicking situation for Alabama looks better than, than it has in, in at least a few years. Uh, for no other reason, like, look, Bolivis, to, to your point, Mark, was pretty good. Or at least certainly not worse than okay last season when it came to field goals. Um, his field goal numbers were solid, um, even really a little above average, honestly. Um, now, the extra points were a problem, right? The extra points for Bolivis is where it's his weakness. Um, there, it wasn't just the fact that he missed what was it six? I think it was <laughs> a point. The Austin Jones, the other kicker, had missed a couple early in the season, so the team total was up to like seven or eight by the end of the year. But I don't think those were all bold. I think only maybe five or six of those were Bolivis, but uh, I think six was the number. Either way. Uh, it was too many missed extra points, and not just that, but the one, a lot of the ones he did make, where they would drift left or right or sort of barely sneak in, like just sort of accuracy on those really short extra points was there, and that showed up again. Uh, the very first extra point during the eight eight game, I think, hit a, hit an upright and went, <laughs> went in. But uh, you know, there, there's clearly something going on there with his short kicks. He's got the leg, uh, but his short kicks just aren't reliable enough. Uh, so. Clearly, there's a door open for someone else to come in who can be a little more consistent on the short kicks and um, and enter Will Reichert, who is the highest-rated kicker I think Alabama has signed since kickers have been rated. Uh, <laughs> some people had him the number one or number two kicker in the whole country. Um, although kicker is one of the hardest, maybe the hardest position to scout in high school for some reason. You'd think it would be the easiest because it's the least affected by other players, but for whatever reason, the way kickers develop or – uh, or whatever the case is, uh, they uh, they're they're hard to project. So so, you know, with that said though, he came up with a lot of hype, and uh, I don't think anything in the A day game took that away. I mean, he hit a couple of uh, hit at least one long one, a relatively long one, um, and uh, I think reports are that Reichert's going to have at least a fifty fifty shot, and probably even the favorite now to take over place kicking duties coming out of the spring. But again, I don't think that I don't think that it's been settled. I think there's there's still going to be an open competition. Uh, going into the fall, um, Saban likes to, ch- to chart, uh, which I think is really smart. Uh, in practice, kicks like how accurate is each guy from each distance because there could be a point where one guy is more accurate than another from another distance. So there's a potential that both guys could play a role. Maybe Reichert kicks the shorter ones, Bulvis kicks the longer ones. But um, either way, I think there's a, if I'm betting it, gun to my head right now, I've, I'm betting on Reichert just based off of what we've heard out of the spring. Uh, but I do think the positions battle is going to be open going into the fall. Um, and then speaking of kicking, the punter position is also up for grabs. You know, you've got um, really three guys in it. You have uh, Mike Bernier, who came in as a walk-on last season and sort of took unexpectedly took over the starting job halfway through the season. You know, it was a little more consistent than the true freshman, Skyward DeLong, that he took over for, although he had less of a leg. You know, he was never going to boom it. It was never going to go more than about 40 yards at best, but he was, he was at least consistent with it. Whereas DeLong had bad consistency issues early, but has a bigger leg. Um, and he looked good during the A-Day game. DeLong did. Um, there were some some of the people who know, to your point, I've, I've never been trained how to really appropriately kick, <laughs> kick or punt a football. But supposedly some folks who know say that there were some problems with his technique last year, DeLong, and that you know he maybe has sorted those out now. And if that's the case, he was ranked as the number one punter in the nation, again, to the extent that those things are informative. Uh, and so he's got a lot of potential, and I think that there's a good chance if he's worked out his, his mechanical issues, he could retake the job. But if not, again, Reichert, who 
was brought in probably to be a place kicker, also punted a little bit in the 8A game and, and looked okay doing it. So he could be a third guy who's a factor in the punting competition. So the punting competition could be open to three different players. Um, and I think that one could go any of three ways. Although DeLong has the most, the highest ceiling of those guys from the punter position, if he, if he can just work out his consistency. Um, so we'll see. Both punter and kicker, uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to have races going into the going into the fall. So. My favorite kind of position battle: yeah, punter well, and kicker. Those, those will be two. Those will be two positions to look out for. All right. So that's kind of the position by position breakdown. Um, at least you know, kind of coming out of the spring. Uh, I want to close the episode with just uh, just maybe one big takeaway from each of us, um, and. You know, I think for myself, looking ahead to the season, uh, or at least to fall camp, summer and fall camp, you know, I think on the offensive side of the ball, you know, even with some of the new faces on the offensive line and some uncertainty around tight end and a new coordinator, I think we more or less know kind of what we're getting, especially in the passing game, you know, with Tua and these wide receivers who had an outstanding year last year and are basically all coming back this year. I think what I'm going to be looking for uh, and really looking forward to is – some of this talent stepping up on defense, particularly in the front seven and front four or five in particular, depending on, you know, kind of the situation, but really up there on the defensive line and, and outside linebackers. Uh, I think the emergence of DJ Dale is, is a really exciting development, um, you know, at that true nose tackle position. And then some of these pass rushers, uh, you know, especially Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen. Uh, I mean, if those guys can stay healthy and play up to their potential, I think it's going to be a really exciting bunch, and you know that's kind of what I'm looking for uh, here headed into the spring and fall and into next season. What about you, Matt? I'm, I'm actually going to take the opposite approach here. Um, I, I have a, a reasonable degree of confidence that Alabama's defense can take a small step up from next year. I, I think the coaching changes more than anything give me that confidence. Saban intentionally went out to get guys – on the defensive coaching staff who he felt uh, comfortable with being able to execute his system. We already mentioned that there appear to be several young guys emerging along the defensive line. Um, outside linebacker may be upgraded from last season uh, just, by, just by having Terrell Lewis back, if nothing else. Um, Anoma emerging. Uh, at corner, we already mentioned, probably going to be an upgrade from last season. At safety, I think, at safety and inside linebacker, if Alabama can just – sort of maintain what's maybe some maybe there you got to go with some upperclassmen who aren't NFL talent guys but who've been in the program a long time if those guys can play at a pretty high level um, I think Alabama's defense has a good chance to be uh, better than it was last year we mentioned this several times the advanced stats showed this Alabama's defense all season long this isn't just a post Clemson thing before the Clemson game Alabama's defense you know had room to improve last season uh, and I think Alabama's defense can do that. Not you know, no guarantees, but I actually have more confidence that Alabama's defense can improve than I do that Alabama's offense won't regress. If that makes sense, right? So well, I'm I mean, actually and more the ceiling, worried. The, the the benchmark there, especially in the offense, oh, yeah. is so high, which like, is important, right? The historic that, season, exactly. One of the but, that, but that's the point, right? right. That the Alabama's season was so historic last year. Sometimes those types of things come together, uh, just sort of perfect storm that's hard to replicate. Um, again, uh, I don't think Mike Loxley got enough credit last season as a play caller. Um, you know, he's gone now. Uh, Dan Enos, I, I, again, 
just you can't say enough about about uh, the work he's done with with quarterbacks. And again, let's let's see how Tua does without him there. I, I, I you know, I, I, we'll see. It's hard it's hard to say, but but there are a lot of people you know, quote unquote, in the know who just swear up and down that Enos was a again a quarterback whisperer, and, and again he's not there. So you know, can Tua himself keep his play up? Um, can Tua stay healthy? Um, you know, can the running game be, uh, you know, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson have a lot of promise, but they're not as proven yet as Damian Harris and uh, 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 Josh Jacobs were. So there's a lot of guys being replaced with the offensive line. A new play caller, again, Sarkeesian's done this in the NFL. He clearly knows what he's doing. Saban has confidence in him. But, again, it's going to be a slightly different offense. And even if he's a good offensive coordinator, it doesn't mean that the exact – you know, offense he has will be as good of a fit for Tua and those receivers as Loxley's offense was. There's there's a lot of variables being changed up, even though the quarterback and the receivers are all the same. There's personnel changes on the O-line, personnel changes at running back, personnel changes at tight end. Uh, and the biggest thing of all, the the two, two very important coaches are now gone uh, and being replaced. So, again, there's almost no way if Tua stays healthy that Alabama's offense isn't very good. I mean, I could call plays, and uh, Alabama's offense would probably be very good just by having two and all those receivers and all that talent. Um, but Alabama's offense was much more than very good last year. They were historically good. Um, even in the Clemson game, you know, we did the whole recap. A lot of people didn't want to hear it, <laughs> but it was true. Alabama's offense actually played well in the national championship game, just couldn't finish its drives. Um, it's a big butt, but you know that was uh, as Alabama was like just a few plays away from uh, from finishing some drives, and even in that game, and before that, just historic. And I'm worried Alabama's offense regresses from being historically great to merely very good, and you know that could have pretty big implications for Alabama during the regular season um, because you know this this day and age, even with a great defense, you're oftentimes going to have one or two offenses you come up against that just get hot. And then your offense has to respond. And if they're not playing at that kind of level, uh, you have to worry about it a little bit. So I'm actually more worried about the offense not going down or not going down too much than I am the defense. I actually have more confidence that the defense comes up a notch than I do that the offense doesn't go down a notch. All right. Well, certainly uh, a lot to look out for. Again, we'll be back, um, I guess, later in the summer, early fall to kind of really dig in here. Um, and then for the for you basketball listeners out there, um, you know, hopefully in the next week or two, we'll see uh, how long it takes kind of for the roster situation to shake out. We'll definitely be back with at least one more um, kind of basketball uh, off-season recap. What an off-season it's been so far. Um, so hopefully we'll have that in the next couple of weeks. Of course, you can always keep up with us uh, on Twitter at BamaXBats. Um, and otherwise, that, uh, that does it for us today. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you real soon.